Hi, and welcome to Think Peace. I'm Rachel. And I'm Jenna. And today we're going to be talking about the general social issues surrounding the Olympics, Eurocentric beauty standards, and we're also going to have a special discussion at the end about Stranger Things, because we've both really been liking it this week. So how are you, Jenna? I'm good. Um, it's really hot. It's too hot. <laughs> it's I've been nice. dying the past few days. No, I can't. I can't sleep in my room because it's too hot. Oh, I mean, it is pretty hot in here actually. So oh, okay. just before we start, um, I just wanted to say that everyone who's um, like worried about the the death threats <laughs> that I was getting. Oh, um, yeah, I saw that someone tweeted you about it. Yeah, like don't don't worry about me, like. <laughs> My ex-boyfriend's fans were nicer to me than my ex-boyfriend was, like, on the whole. And this was years ago. Yeah. So they're um, all in jail now. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Glad we got that sorted out. We got that sorted out. So I've been seeing a lot of just stuff on the internet in general that talks about the most beautiful women in the world and, like, what that looks like. And this has sort of cropped up pretty much continuously over my internet life I'm sure you've seen that thing that's like this is what the most beautiful woman in the world looks like and it's just like five white actresses (laughs) superimposed over each other (laughs) the thing about these the way that you know they're not scientific is that it always happens to line up with what the social beauty standards are at the time I was going to ask you, actually, um, because a lot of these things are based on the golden ratio, mm-hmm. because you're like a maths girl. <laughs> Can you tell me oh, a bit more about that? I'm so not a golden ratio girl. But OK, so the golden ratio is, I believe that Leonardo da Vinci came up with it. And it's basically the idea that an image that uses this ratio will be more attractive to you than another image. So the classic example is if you show someone two rectangles, one in which the sides are proportional according to the golden ratio and one in which they're not, they'll find the golden ratio one like a more aesthetically pleasing rectangle. The problem comes with trying to translate that to faces because the golden ratio does pop up a lot. Like I'm sure you've seen that picture that's um, like, rectangles getting smaller and there's a spiral inside oh yeah yeah that's based on the golden ratio and you can see it in like a lot of renaissance paintings and stuff like that but to then like try and come up with a beautiful face out of that is actually a lot more difficult because you don't know which parts of the face the ratio should apply to Oh, yeah. Yeah, unless you went with just, like, basic face shape, which isn't what these people are doing. So that's why I'm really sceptical of any facial beauty stuff that's based on the golden ratio, because it's all guesswork. So um, I was listening to the Sad Girls Club episode recently where they talked about uh, an article on BuzzFeed about how the nose hasn't had a big beauty movement yet. Um, And in this article, it talks about several things, uh, but one thing in particular stood out to me about the golden ratio, and it's that, um, that, this is a quote, it doesn't necessarily tell us what is more attractive, but rather it's what we generally consider to be more attractive. That's a difficult distinction. (laughs) (laughs) The cumulative averages of all the faces we see over a lifetime, which we perceive as attractive. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard this theory before that like the average is what you find the most attractive. And so it's no coincidence that like all these most beautiful women are white. It's also it's ridiculous how like you said the articles keep popping up so different people keep getting assigned the role of <laughs> supposedly the most scientifically beautiful woman in the world. The latest one being Florence Colgate, who is basically is basically just a random teenage girl who someone noticed was really pretty and then came up with some vague measurements to back it up. And it's also that beauty should be subjective. I mean, it's completely not. Mm. But it's all, that's almost the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, trying to make something objective that is inherently subjective will never really work because you can't separate it from... Um, like social standards. This is also um, the issue with the Snapchat beauty filter. Oh, I hate that filter. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me look so weird. I feel like it makes my eyes really big, but in an unnatural way. <laughs> like, yeah, because it, it sort of, it makes your nose slimmer and your eyes bigger. And I already have like huge eyes and I have a big nose, but it's like, it's not wide. Mm-hmm. So I just end up looking really <laughs> like squished in an unattractive <laughs> way. A lot of the Snapchat filters just don't work for me. Like, um, do you know the one that gives you like a crown of like gold butterflies? I do. That makes my lips really pale. I, uh, me too. It makes my lips really pale. <laughs> I, I guess it's meant to be like a kind of nude lipstick. But then if your lips are darker than like, yeah, the nude colour, then it just makes you look really creepy. (laughs) It makes me look super washed out and ill. So I I never use the beauty filter or or that crown one. Even even the flower crown, actually. Like it's not it's not as bad, but I still end up looking like actually white. Yeah, I'm not as much of a fan as other people seem to be. I know it's like everyone's favourite filter. Every white person's favourite filter. (laughs) It's really sad because it creates this kind of self-hatred within women of colour. Um, Rupi Kaur actually was interviewed for this article, I think. Oh, okay. I think, yeah, um, a lot of women of colour and Jewish women feel insecure about their noses. I think this article saying, like, when the nose will have its beauty moment kind of brings up an interesting problem as well, which is, like, if you, have, if you get a nose job, Who's to say that what your nose looked like before won't be really fashionable Mm. in 10 to 20 years? I'm thinking this, like, anyone who's ever gotten, like, liposuction and now everyone wants Kim Kardashian's butt, like, I'm sure they're not pleased. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a more diverse thing than body type, though, I feel. Like, you can have so many different noses and so many different noses are considered ugly. And there's a very sort of small subset of noses that are considered fine. But I don't think the nose will ever have its beauty moment. I just think that noses really are not something that people focus on. Really? Yeah, and I don't think that's random either. Because I think your eyes, like, obviously, they're like the window to the soul. But, you know, like, associations with emotion and stuff like that, like... You, you would understand why people care about eyes. Eyebrows, they frame your face. It's true that people didn't really care about eyebrows until like <laughs> five years ago, maybe. Or they did, but they wanted them to be really thin and now it's a thing to have yeah. like super thick eyebrows. But I can I see why that makes sense. And then lips, like, oh, it's kind of sexual, like colourful as well. Your lips like bring colour to your face. Whereas your nose is just kind of there. 
I don't think I don't think that noses are ever going to be. I was super insecure about my nose when I was younger, mm-hmm. and like, I like I once um, had a boy like tell me that like he thought that Emma Watson's nose was too big. He was like, "Oh yeah, I don't think Emma Watson's that attractive. Her nose is too big." And I was like, "Excuse what? This is the thing. I can't even picture what Emma Watson's nose looks like. <laughs> this is what I mean by noses are insignificant. I feel like the nose that people." aspire to is just a nose that's unnoticeable this and that's why i think that noses will never be like a huge beauty thing this is exactly what um this article was saying um in that some of the most requested celebrity noses for rhinoplasties are jessica beale's kate middleton's and angelina jolie's and um the writer calls all of these noses frankly relatively nondescript and that that is the point like you don't want it to be a noticeable thing Mm -hmm. but then I guess what is and isn't noticeable is also relative. I mean, smaller. You so a small nose. I think if if your nose is too small, that is noticeable. <laughs> I've never seen anyone with a too small nose. <laughs> I like. I'm not gonna name names. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah, but, but the idea of what nose is nondescript and what nose isn't is also kind of informed by. Um, socialization because like the average width of a nose for example you were really just talking about the average width for a white person's nose so you mm. might say like oh I want a nose that's average size but then but I think it really I think it really does like change the way you look like Kim Kardashian for example looks totally different with her quote-unquote contoured nose the thing about Kim Kardashian is it's very hard to tell what plastic surgery she has <laughs> it's very hard to tell what she actually looks like yeah. because she's basically half makeup and then she edits her photos so much (laughs) that I don't know whether she's had a nose job or not maybe she is just contouring it I don't I can imagine that she would be able to do that her makeup artist would be able to do that I feel like she has that power (laughs) probably so maybe I don't know I know I think that she is lying but it's not entirely unbelievable um this is an interesting point I thought um because we both straighten our hair um, as brown girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so author of this article is asking, when we straighten our hair, are we doing that to hide our roots? Why do you straighten your hair? When I first started straightening my hair, it was definitely because I hated having curly hair. And also because I didn't really know how to deal with having curly hair, which can be quite an ordeal. People who have curly hair know this. But now I basically just straighten my hair because I'm really, really lazy. But I definitely like the way I look more with straight hair than I do with curly hair. And I'm trying to think about, like, why that is. Because I don't think that I look more ethnic with straight, mm. with um, with curly hair. I think I probably do look more ethnic with curly hair. But I don't think that anyone would see me with straight hair and think that I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so about... I don't feel I don't feel like I'm hiding my roots by I... having straight hair. I think it's less about that more that, like, because beauty is proximity to whiteness. Yeah, yeah. Am I getting closer to mm. the thing? But again, like, I'm not... I, I resent the phrasing... What was it? Was it hiding your roots? Yeah. Because it's like... That's never <laughs> going to happen. Like, the, the, amount of, the amount of surgery and skin bleaching that I would have to get done to truly hide the fact that I'm not white is extensive. Do you remember when... Um, Connor had that makeup app and he made white versions of both of us. This is ages ago. It was that terrifying. was me. 
Oh, was it you? No, it was it was Connor as well. But I first made the white version of myself, <laughs> and then I showed Connor the app, and he made the white version of you. Oh my god! And I think a, a more white version of white me. It was terrifying that was, to see white. That was me. horrible. I, I did not like it at all. <laughs> but yeah, that makeup app is actually like a good example of Eurocentric beauty standards. I it's an Asian makeup app. I'm not sure which country, and um. You know how in some East Asian countries there's that obsession with, like, the double eyelid? Oh, yeah. So you can add that in on the makeup app. Um, you can change the shape of your nose, make your eyes bigger, and stuff like that. And I still have that app on my phone because I think that it's I think it's interesting. <laughs> and it's, like, fun to mess with people's faces and see what they would look like. How much storage do you have? Just enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, have you watched a lot of the Olympics? No. Um, <laughs> I've pretty much just been keeping up with it, like, via Twitter. Yeah, I've been keeping up with all the non-athletic drama, let's say. <laughs> but I'm not entirely sure who's won what medals. So, <laughs> Ryan Lochte, what is that to say? Everyone hates him. <laughs> He's such a fool. And I think the the most annoying thing about this entire situation is... The fact that people are using the boys will be boys excuse when he's 30. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? At what age do you have to start making um, taking responsibility for yourself? I will say, though, he has not fared well from this. Yeah, so Speedo, Speedo dropped him. Um, yeah. I'm still, like, relatively confused about what happened. So he lied about being robbed at gunpoint yeah. because he trashed a gas station bathroom whilst drunk. Yes. Okay, that's that's what happened. Yeah. I understand why you're confused because it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think... I don't know. Uh, this is the controversial opinion here because people are complaining that he's not getting enough hate. But I haven't met a single person or even read a single article that's in support of him. Everyone hates him. Speedo's dropped him from their sponsorship. He's going to be on Dancing with the Stars, which is like the best that an Olympic athlete can hope for, <laughs> really. But has probably, like, worse people have probably appeared on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> like, you should be allowed to appear on Dancing with the Stars, even if you lied to the police. I'm sure, like, I'm sure he has like a million other sponsorship deals. I've seen, I've seen articles in support of him. But can we just talk about how he has a full head of grey hair and people are calling him a boy. I thought he dyed it. Oh. Weren't we talking about this the other day? No. Because I was, I was like, if he's 30, why does he look 55? <laughs> yeah, the fact that he has dyed silver hair confused me as well because I thought that he was like a 60-year-old man. <laughs> um, I feel so bad for Gabby Douglas, though. Oh, yeah, me too. I could not, like, do the Olympics. Like, bar, oh, no, no, bar no, no, the never. whole, like athletic ability thing like there's so much pressure mm -hmm. like you get so stressed out it's like you've been training for four years for this like one thing and then on top of that you've got people being like you don't love your country enough so what she didn't put her hand on her chest during the national anthem yeah and she like apologized for it she was like oh i'm sorry like i was distracted or something which is valid you know jenna do you know the words to our national anthem <laughs> you know what Every time. Because I know it's called God Save the Queen. Okay, yeah, that's a good start. <laughs> but, like, in my head, I just, like, sing it, sing those words to, like, a hymn. I'm trying to remember what hymn it is. It's like, <laughs> I'll do it, I'll do it. <laughs> God.
God save the Queen, the Lord has come. <laughs> Let us receive a king. So that's that's what goes. I know. I know the hymn <laughs> Which hymn is that, that you're referencing. I don't know what it's called, but the oh, it's Joy to the World. Joy, yeah, Joy, but is it called Joy to the World? I'm pretty sure it okay, is. Yeah. Well, that's. I can confirm that that's not right. But yeah, I feel like this is the difference between British attitudes towards patriotism and American attitudes towards patriotism to an extent because some British people are like (laughs) maniacs. (laughs) But generally, especially with the national anthem, the national anthem seems to be a big deal. Just stop policing young black girls. Yes. That's, That's the message that we want this episode of the podcast to have. Leave young black girls alone. And last episode as well, with the Obamas. <laughs> so Fu Yuanhui, um, she was um, a big topic in the news about a week ago because she openly talked about her period. Um, but I'm going to clarify that she was lauded for this within Western media. Yeah, and so this article is basically saying like how um, tampons aren't widely used in China. This is true. But China is also much more open about the mm-hmm. discussion of period. Chinese media reported on Western media's like coverage <laughs> of it, being like, why, why are they amazing. saying that this is feminist? How is this feminist? <laughs> and so like Western media can like talk about how it's so great that she's, she's talking about this thing and she comes from a country that like doesn't, only has like two brands of tampon, but like also like look at yourself. Because yeah, this is a good example of how the West just kind of perceives themselves themselves to be more progressive than anyone else. Like, people can't imagine that in China they might have, like, a better attitude towards periods than we do. Because we're the West. <laughs> so we're perfect. <laughs> That's sad, though. Like you were saying before about all the years of training. Yeah, exactly. And then your period mm. just comes in and messes everything up. Yeah. This is how random sports is, by the way. This is why I don't, like... I mean, this isn't why I don't like sports, but one of the reasons why I wouldn't want to be an Olympic athlete is because too much of your performance comes down to chance. Yeah. So no matter how much you train, you could still lose because of, like, the type of shoes that your opponent is wearing. <laughs> can we also talk about Costa Semenya? Yes, we can. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was I read that the only time the this sex testing thing has been used in the Olympics is for women from developing countries. Really? So yeah. what's the situation with um, Cassie Semenya is that um, she, what was it? She has more testosterone in her body than like the average. Yeah. And so people are being like, she has an unfair advantage. What's like ridiculous is that the, the woman who is being interviewed, Lindsay, someone, I can't remember. She's like, she's like a British athlete. She was like, oh yeah, it's so hard. Like, yeah, because, oh, we have to compete against her. It's not fair. And it's like, you know what? Of course it's not fair because genetics aren't fair. Like, how do you think you got here in the first place? (laughs) Train harder and stop whining. Yeah. She's like, she's like, oh, like you just, I just have to go into the race and like, no, she's there. And it's like, what was the most ridiculous part of this to me was that she came like sixth like she wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't anywhere near, like beating yeah, her. Yeah, so it wasn't between those two. <laughs> oh. What is the procedure for intersex athletes? Do we know? Do, is, is there one? 
I feel like there was a situation where like um, several athletes did get like some procedure done to lower the testosterone mm-hmm. um, in their bodies, and then their performances were, um, were worse. And but like it was it was akin to genital mutilation. So like I don't really know if there should be any kind of regulation to this. It's all just a bit like dodgy. Gender is dodgy. Exactly. That's that's my point. Gender's dodgy. So there, I mean, there yeah. needs to be like something to deal with the weird situations that it throws up. I would just say like don't gender sports, but like I know that's not right because my sports feminist friend Freya <laughs> <laughs> um has already sort of talked about how it, like that wouldn't really work. Yeah, I don't see that working for obvious reasons, but... How about everyone just don't play sports? Honestly, this is the answer. Solve. That Lindsay, whatever her name is, <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you can't hack it. Don't be in the Olympics. <laughs> Lindsay Sharp. We don't like her. <laughs> so we're introducing a new segment to Think Piece. It may or may not be a consistent one, but yeah, this is now... Think Peace Film Club. So this is just going to happen whenever me and Rachel go see a film together. Yeah, and we're just going to discuss it. It's not going to be a spoiler-free discussion. So if you haven't seen the film, then don't listen. Unless you're not planning on going to see it, in which case you should definitely... I mean, most of these movies are probably going to be pretty bad ones, so... Yeah, we'll definitely say whether we think you should go and see it or not, (laughs) so that you know where the spoilers actually matter. We're going to start off with Nerve the new film starring Emma Roberts and Dave Franco. And I'm going to tell you right now that you should not go and see it. (laughs) (laughs) And do not worry about spoilers because it's an incredibly boring plot. If you watch the trailer, you've essentially got all of the parts. So, Mm. I mean, don't waste your money. Yeah, I don't even really know where to begin with this film. I made a couple of notes during, actually, because I wanted to talk about something. Oh, okay. Um, So one of the first things that I wanted to talk about was um, the character of Emma Roberts' best friend, Sydney. Oh my god, such a misogynist <laughs> Such a misogynistic written character. Just a rundown of the general plot. Emma Roberts is like a timid high schooler and she decides to get involved with this truth or dare online game um, which turns out to be like an evil, an evil conglomerate. Yeah. Um, Dave Franco is also there. Dave, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Riding a motorbike. <laughs> and Emma Roberts has this friend called Sydney, who we know is evil because she sleeps with a lot of guys. <laughs> and she wears pink and like fluffy coats. Yeah, and is, she's really confident. That's the other thing. And like, I mean, but sadly, she's actually really insecure. Sadly, this is a trope, isn't it? Like, yeah. the confident best friend who doesn't want the shy girl to thrive. And who, no one is like this. Basically. Yeah, it's such That's a, the main problem with it. It's not true to life. It's such a, like, classic misunderstanding of women. Yeah, it's probably true that if you're a girl and you sleep with loads of guys, then you're really insecure. And you're and like... you just miss your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma Roberts was unnecessarily mean to her. Yeah. Like, they had, they had like, a big fight. Mm. And it was just upsetting and... It was quite, was quite interesting, though, was, like, how in the next scene... They just, like, made up. Yeah, just by hugging. But they didn't talk out any of their issues. That kind of sums up 
the ending of the film in a lot of other ways as well. <laughs> Nothing was resolved, but now it's over. <laughs> so in this um, escalating truth or dare game, you can either be a watcher or a player. Um, and what I thought was um, quite an interesting metaphor was the fact that like all of the players were white. And because um, in Emma Roberts's friend group, there's um, Kimiko Glenn and there's like one black guy. Um, so like quotas filled guys. And so they were kind of just like following Sydney around being like, oh, look at what Emma Roberts is doing. Yeah, they were very much side characters. And then Samira Wiley made an appearance as well, but also as a side character. And it's kind of like that's that's the role of people of color in Hollywood or how they'd like it to be that, you know, you consume, but you don't actually partake. Ooh, so you're a watcher. I like it. I like it. I had like a moment where in there's a scene where they're watching um, Emma Roberts do her dares on a big screen at a party and the camera kind of shows the screen as what we're also watching while sitting in the cinema and then all the people in the in the at the party are watching it as well and my first thought was if you were at a party why would you be watching this and then I was like wait why am I watching this (laughs) so that was the that was the deepest moment for me the deepest metaphor um it's quite a pretty movie I'll give it that oh yeah that's true and it's very like high budget so if you like fancy shiny things effects and stuff like that and quite like high adrenaline as well I was I was like it was tense. It was it was like kind of fun to watch, but yeah. it wasn't like you, I was feeling the suspense. A I lot. didn't I didn't feel the suspense. No, I was definitely feeling the suspense when they were on the motorbike uh, and they had to go faster and faster and faster. It was a good scene. Shame that both the characters were so hideously <laughs> unlikable, but it was a good scene. What I'm glad about so um, in true high school fashion, Emma Roberts had um, a best friend that was in love with her. Mm-hmm. They just like sidelined him for the whole film yeah that was i was surprised that there was no kiss at the end she realized that he was really the one for him but i think they probably just forgot like (laughs) i don't i don't don't give any credit to the filmmakers for that i mean that's what put me in put me on the edge of my seat just like (laughs) (laughs) shit is he gonna like make his move as like the nice guy Please, no. <laughs> Essentially, this was just like a very lazily made film. It starred like the cool young celebrities of the moment. So Emma Roberts is not. Okay, no. no I don't know. She's in like oh, Scream that's Queens true. She's and in stuff. She's, a, she's, a, she's like a big figure at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then also throwing in some of the Orange is the New Black cast. Casey Neistat made a random cameo. <laughs> It was just designed to get as many people to go and see it as possible and probably to set up a sequel. Should we give it a think piece rating? Okay, what are we rating out of? Five? Yeah. I'm going to go two. I'd say two. Two. I've seen films that were a lot worse. (laughs) (laughs) See me before you. (laughs) (laughs) So things that we're into this week. My first thing is another film called Tickled. Have you heard of it? No. Okay, so it's a documentary, and it's about competitive endurance tickling. <laughs> it's less funny than it sounds. No, that sounds absolutely horrible. Yeah, no, it's hor- and it's it's what it sounds like. It's like guys, athletes, getting tied down and tickled. 
for long periods of time and it's being filmed. And it's not a real sport, in case you haven't figured that out. It's ba- Basically, it's a fetish. But the interesting part of the documentary is, like, the amount of work that's gone into covering it up. Like, the the way that the story is revealed, like, there's so many twists and interesting parts of the plot that it's almost like it's fictional. That sounds kind of cool, but... It's a really good documentary. I'm just trying, like, so... Could you do it if you weren't ticklish? No, you're not allowed to do it if you're not ticklish. You could fake being ticklish, though. Jenna, that's unethical. <laughs> I guess you could, but I, that's pretty hard to f- fake, I reckon. Anyway, trust me, that is not the main issue in the documentary. How long is it? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Probably about an hour and a half. Okay. Why? Just <laughs> how long do I have you to want to schedule? <laughs> I mean, like, how long can you really watch a documentary about tickling? Oh, mate, longer than you think. <laughs> it's less about the tickling and more about the lies. <laughs> But it is genuinely really interesting. Is that the tagline? No, but it should be. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about Mr. Robot this week, um, but I can't because Rachel hasn't caught up yet. Sorry. I will say, though, the thing that makes Mr. Robot so hard to catch up on is that because it's so good and so detailed, you have to really, really pay attention while you're watching it. So I have to set aside like specific time where I'm not doing anything else. Whereas I'm normally like a TV show multitasker. We both wanted to talk about Stranger Things, which is super tropey and super cheesy. And I love it. Me too. I mean, like, I didn't really get caught up in that much nostalgia because I don't think I've seen most of the films that it references. Like, I've seen E.T. That's about it. I've seen E.T. I've seen The Sixth Sense. It draws on a lot of Stephen King and I've read a few of his novels. So I'm kind of into the nostalgia. But another nostalgia I was getting was the nostalgia of them wearing clothes from the present day. I I saw American Apparel stuff in there. Dustin has an American Apparel rucksack. Um, I think Nancy wore an American Apparel jumper as well. Nancy's been wearing a lot of Urban Outfitters. Oh my God. No, but serious. And I like recognising them. <laughs> that's, the, that's the fun nostalgic bit for me. That's so cute. You've been like, <laughs> costuming everyone. Yeah. So my favourite character was Eleven, obviously. No, like the, all of the boys were so adorable and... Mm. What? I only like Dustin. You only like Dustin? Oh my I God. Like, I like Michael as well, but... Lucas... Oh my god. I feel like there's this character in all the TV shows that's like slightly neurotic and like mm. the voice of reason. And I always relate to that character and I'm always really upset when like they get trashed or like That really exposes a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean honestly, yeah. I, I kind of agree with you though. Like I normally agree with the voice of reason character as well, even though they're not as fun. Yeah. But Dustin all the way. One thing I do feel about Dustin, though, which is kind of bad, Mm. is that I feel like they just give him lines that an adult would say. And that's (laughs) kind of why I like it. And it's like, that's cheating. (laughs) To be honest. Like, I don't don't believe that any 10-year-old boys act the way that he does. Um, What did you think of the whole uh, romance between Mike and Eleven, considering they're so young? Gross, 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 gross. Yeah. I just, I I don't understand why people want to see children kissing on TV. (laughs) 
I don't want to see it anywhere. I just find it so gross. You know, I think it was in the last episode or the second to last episode where they have their near kiss or is it an actual kiss? Actual? I don't remember. I probably looked away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was just utterly repulsed <laughs> by the entire thing. It's so weird watching children have romantic relationships. It's, uh, especially, I don't like it. Especially with Eleven who like doesn't understand human relationships. Yeah, there, oh, there was all kinds of weird stuff going on there. Uh, yeah, another example of that which um, bothered me was um, the scene, which I think is an homage to E.T., where um, they dress her up as a girl. Yeah. A real girl <laughs> with hair and a dress. Oh, God, yeah, and then they say that she looks pretty. And she's like, really? Or something. <laughs> it's like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, let, let her stay away from generals. Like, she's doing fine. <laughs> yeah, what was just, like, um, really disturbing about that that um, the AV Club review uh, pointed out was that, like, she didn't know the word, like, friend or, mm. like, please, and yet she knew the word pretty and she had, like, learned to sort of rate it so highly that, like... It elicited that response. There's definitely some inconsistencies with how much Eleven knows. Mm. That is something that I noticed. Like, somehow she knows some concepts that are more complicated than concepts that she doesn't know. But that is a good point. Confession, I found um, Winona Ryder's character pretty annoying um, for the first couple of episodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, she definitely gets better. Yeah, she was just... I think they just kind of gave her the same thing to do. Which was to panic yeah yeah and then when she started being more a part of the actual investigation that's when her character really like took off i think that's what stopped her character from being just like the typical harrowed mother yeah which i enjoyed one thing i really liked was um the sort of parallels that they did with the otherness in terms of the supernatural stuff that's going on and the otherness in terms of the social issues that are going on in the 80s so, like, Lucas being black and the homophobia of the bullies, they oh, use yeah. kind of the same terms. But, yeah, just that idea of being the other is explored, like, literally in terms of other worlds mm. and then also in terms of, like, being an outsider. What do you think about the diversity discussion surrounding Stranger Things and the fact that there was, like, only one black character? Actually, there were two. Who was the second one? One of the police officers. Because I think, like, people are saying, oh, you know, saying that it's 80s Indiana isn't an excuse. I think it kind of is. To be honest, I know nothing about 80s Indiana. Like, <laughs> I don't know where to start by answering this question. and But I kind of think it is an excuse as well. I think that that's the best excuse. Mm. Also, think- making Lucas the only black kid then made it easier for them to... Um, Talk about race. Yeah, talk about racism. I think they could have easily, like, changed the race of, like, Mike or Nancy or Steve even. Yeah, we we could have definitely seen some non-black. I mean, because, you know, it, it is a reference to these, like, older movies. And you didn't get that in these older movies. That's true. So I'm kind of, like, I'm kind of willing to excuse that but at the same time i'm kind of like you upended some other things 
why couldn't you do this? Yeah, I mean, they had those American Apparel rock sacks. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I'm talking about when I say that is the whole um, Steve, Nancy, Jonathan triangle, which is actually um, sort of similar to Nerve in the way that you thought that she was going to end up with the guy on the sidelines. Mm. And then she ended up with, like, the sort of the louder personality of the two. Mm. Which is ridiculous. I, I don't like Nancy. I don't like Steve. No, I don't like any of... Uh, that was the storyline that I found the hardest to get into. Because when I first started watching it, I did feel like it had too many storylines. And I didn't care about enough of them. And I found Nancy so unbelievably irritating. And her drama was like quite boring and irrelevant. It got a bit better as they started becoming more relevant to the main plot. But I'm still not a fan. I think with them upending that trope, they kind of force themselves into doing it because I can't see a world in which Nancy goes out with the guy who took <laughs> photos of her while she was changing. Yeah. Like, that's beyond being on the sidelines. That's true. Um, I think the, the Duffer brothers also commented on how they weren't planning on giving Steve's character a redemption arc, but then mm-hmm. they, they, like, they liked the actor, so they thought we should keep him around. I think that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. It made a nice twist at the end. I like ideally Nancy would end up with nobody because ideally Nancy wouldn't be in it. <laughs> and then Bob would still be alive. <laughs> oh god, yeah. I love how Bob has become an iconic figure despite the fact that she was so underrepresented in the show. Mm. I love how the internet just does stuff like that sometimes. <laughs> and she was really cool. One thing I did like about Nancy, though, is um, when they um, went after the monster Mm. properly, um, she didn't, like, flounder. Like, you know, that sometimes happens in films when, like, they've got, like, a plan and then everything goes to shit and they just abandon everything. But Mm. she, like, she, like, stands there. She, like, shoots him a couple times. (laughs) But then don't you think that's kind of unrealistic no you what i did find annoying was that she immediately knew how to shoot a gun yeah okay <laughs> okay this is one of the reasons why nancy's character really annoyed me because she's like the nice pretty unassuming girl who somehow has extensive knowledge of combat and i feel like this is allison in team wolf don't you dare come after Alison and Teen Wolf. You, I've told you that I don't like Alison before, and I really see a lot of similarities between Alison oh and Nancy. Oh my god, don't say but that. But it's true, it's true. Don't say that. No, like, at least Alison had, like, that history in her family. They made up a slightly more plausible backstory. Yeah, well, that's what fiction is, Rachel. <laughs> All right, I'll leave Alison on it, I'll leave Alison on it. Yeah, Team Bob. Did you notice that there was also a evil friend girl in Stranger Things? Oh, Tommy and Carol. Yeah, that's what they were called. So I felt like Carol <laughs> was that trope, but she didn't get as much attention. But, you know, because Tommy and Carol were, they were sleeping together, but they weren't together. <laughs> so they were having... we, we know that Carol's not a nice girl <laughs> like Nancy. Yeah, and it was just ridiculous because she had sex with Steve. Yeah. And like, oh my god. It's also such a cozy show, and I value that. That's very true. The, like, small town mm. feel. Okay, I think we're done for this week. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that via our Tumblr, Twitter, or email. And we will write all of them in the description. Okay, goodbye. Bye, guys. Bye.